What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Donks, the weekly NBA show over here at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. Uh, we've almost made it our way through the offseason. There's been just a ton of players changing teams. Almost every single roster around the league looks totally different than it did just a couple months ago. Of course, that means that some players are going to have less opportunity on their new teams. Some players are going to have more opportunity in their new teams. And with opportunity, usually we see good things on the court. We see good things on the court. We can probably assume we'll see good things in the card market as well. So today I wanted to take you through some individual winners and some individual losers on the basis of what took place this offseason. Uh, targeting some of those winners as offseason card investments might be a good idea. So let's just jump right into it. Hey, if you wanted to track some of these players yourself and figure out how they are performing on the card market, one of the easiest ways to do so is to navigate over to pro.slabstocks.com and you'll find here our Slabstocks uh, database. Uh, just we're going to be looking up a couple of the players that I just mentioned, namely Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball. We can look up Zach Levine's uh, Prism Base PSA 10 rookie card. Uh, view Slab data. Uh, been up and down recently, uh, most recently down from where it's been over the past year or so, the past six months. Uh, so potentially a pretty good opportunity to buy on Zach Levine before eventually uh, a lot of people start jumping in there. Now, Zach Levine's base PSA 10, there's only 351 of them according to the PSA pop report. So uh, pretty small um, you know, population. So uh, still, even though it's a base rookie card, probably a pretty good investment from that standpoint. Uh, as people start navigating towards the Bulls and, and seeing Zach Levine's scoring numbers early on in the season, I expect that to climb back up. So uh, this looks like it's a pretty good opportunity to buy, sitting around $300 at the moment. Uh, we could also look at his uh, Prism Silver PSA 10 rookie card. Uh, not a whole ton of action, obviously, recently, just a few sales, but at the moment sitting at $1,625, and there's only 45 PSA 10s of this particular card available. Uh, again, I do expect with some of the early season excitement around the Bulls uh, that this could be a pretty good opportunity for you to buy. We could also look up Lonzo Ball and his Prism Silver PSA 10 rookie card. This one's actually been trending up recently. Uh, we could look up six months. We could look at a year. Um, as uh, going from March all the way till now, it's been on the rise. Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the excitement of him moving to Chicago. Uh, that's no offense to New Orleans, but that's a, probably a better fan base, better position for him to be than down in New Orleans. Uh, so maybe not as strong of a buy, but this is one of the the, the benefits of going to pro.slabstocks.com, tracking these players. You can see if they're trending up, trending down. Uh, if people see them trending up, they might be quick to jump on it. Uh, might not be the best time to jump when a card's skyrocketing like this one. Uh, but even with this card, even though it's the highest point that as it's been over the past year, I still expect there to be a pretty strong return on an investment on Lonzo Ball's Prism Silver Rookie cards in the early going based on everything that I've just said. So head over to pro.slabstocks.com, make yourself an account, put your portfolio in there, and start researching cards for yourself. It's easy to do. It's free to do. Uh, you have nothing to lose. So we're starting off with some free agency losers. We won't do a whole ton on this, but we're starting off with two young New York Knicks uh, as two of the losers from the offseason. That's R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. Quickly is probably the bigger individual loser, but they both are going to have uh, you know their usage cut into this season. Heading out from the Knicks this year are Reggie Bullock, Alfred Payton, Frank Nitalikina, and Norvell Pell. 
replacing them are Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, and Dwayne Bacon. So clearly the team got somewhat better. I'm not sure how good they'll be overall, but they are better, I think. Uh, but looking at what's going out, you know, three regular rotation players, all of whom are relatively low usage, all of whom have not attempted over 10 field goal attempts per game in the last three or four years. So the types of players that did afford the Knicks to just basically hand the ball to R.J. Barrett or Julius Randle and say, you know, just go out and try and score. R.J. Barrett's surface level stats looked pretty good last year, but his nearly 18 points per game came on well below average shooting pretty much across the board and on rather sizable volume. Uh, he was good from three, but you know, still inefficient overall, even with good three-point shooting percentage. Uh, and now to replace those low usage departures, the Knicks are notably bringing in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, uh, two higher usage players who've typically combined to average about 30 field goal attempts per game. And that's in a league where an average team uh, attempted 88.4 field goals per game last season. So uh, the number of shots to go around just got a little bit thinner this offseason. Uh, for quickly, basically everything I said about Barrett is true about him too. Inefficient shot attempts probably drying up a little bit. And for him personally, now he has Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, and Derrick Rose to contend with for backcourt minutes. Now, being second and third-year players, they're probably going to be getting better anyways, uh, but the off-season roster management has hampered their abilities to just freely grow in the league. The Knicks kind of hamstrung their development. Uh, we shouldn't set our expectations too, far, too high for either of these players. Another free agency loser is Rui Hachimura of the Washington Wizards. Uh, the team in D.C. had a busy offseason. They brought in Montrezl Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, Spencer Dinwiddie, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Aaron Holiday. They sent out Russell Westbrook, Robin Lopez, Alex Len, Ish Smith, Garrison Matthews, Isaac Bonga, and Chandler Hutchinson. So not really losing a whole lot, but bringing in a bunch of capable rotation players. And this is why Rui is a pretty big loser from this offseason. You know, in the front court, Rui is now competing for minutes with Thomas Bryant, although he should be out until like November, December, something like that. Uh, Daniel Gafford, who played really strong at the end of last season. Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma. Oh, and, and Davis Bertans is still there. They just handed him $80 million uh, just last November. And perhaps Rui could play more at small forward, but they're going to be wanting to give some of those minutes to Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, you have Dinwiddie and Holiday at the point. Beal cemented in at the two. Uh, Denny Avdia is going to get a few minutes on the wing somewhere, too. It's, you know, it's just suddenly a very crowded rotation. And while Rui won't be on the outside looking in as far as you know, getting minutes goes, he's not really going to be in any position to impress so much that his basketball card market is really reacting positively to the on-court experience. And better to just stay away at this point. You know, until they start consolidating some assets in a trade, Rui's just going to have some pretty irregular minutes. I just don't really see anywhere around that. Uh, those those are, and there's quite a few other free agency losers from this offseason, but I don't want to dwell on the loser side so much. I don't want to be a negative Nancy here. So just kind of wanted to throw out some of the red flags that I'm looking for. And let's just move right on to winners. My first free agency individual winner is Nikhail Alexander-Walker. That's Shea Gilgis Alexander's cousin. Uh, moving into the guard rotation in New Orleans is Devontae Graham, who will be getting a, a lot of minutes. They did commit $47 million and a first-round pick to acquire him. Also then Tomas Sadoransky, uh, Garrett Temple, they both came in from Chicago. And then Josh Hart was retained on a three-year $38 million extension. 
heading out of the rotation are notably Lonzo Ball and Eric Bledsoe. In losing those two players, the Pelicans are losing the two guards who played the first most and the fourth most minutes on the entire team. Uh, they also had the third most and the fourth most field goal attempts on the team. Uh, they also combined for a usage of about 40%. So pretty big void opening up for Alexander Walker to step into. Uh, he's the presumptive starting shooting guard heading into this season. Uh, about time, in my opinion. And, you know, they really kind of started turning him loose at the end of last season. After the, the minute totals went up and down through the bulk of the regular season, and, and he did lose some time to injury, uh, when the Pelicans sort of started to mail it in at the end of the year, they handed Walker 31 minutes per game over the last five uh, contests. He averaged nearly 18 points, four rebounds, four assists, and a steal and a half, while attempting 16 field goal attempts per game. I'd expect him to be entrenched in as the starter and then heading into his third year, which is a prime breakout candidate territory. I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. So he's my first winner. Uh, the younger San Antonio Spurs are also all sorts of winners here. I'm looking at De DeJounte Murray and Derek White specifically, but you could also include Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell and, and others. Uh, finally, the Spurs are going with this youth movement. You know, they let DeMar DeRozan go along with Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge, Trey Lyles, Gorgie Jang, they're all out of there. Uh, that's a lot of minutes. It's a lot of usage, a lot of shot attempts that are suddenly opening up. They did bring in Thaddeus Young, Al Farouk Aminu, Dougie McBuckets, Bryn Forbes, Chandler Hutchinson, and Zach Collins. But outside of Thaddeus Young, not anyone that should be stealing a whole ton of opportunities from some of the younger guys around the roster. With DeRozan and Mills gone, you can expect the ball to be put into Murray's and White's hands quite a bit more. And you know, with more opportunity, I expect pretty good things from them. You know, the Spurs will not be good per se, I don't think. Uh, but with a coach that has been pretty resistant to moving the team forward behind these two young guards in particular, now I'd like to think that Popovich doesn't have much of a choice in the matter. So I'll certainly be watching some of the young backcourt playmakers in San Antonio with interest this season. I believe there will be ample minutes to go around for all of them. Uh, the next winner, in my estimation, that's OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the Raptors look like they've probably gotten worse this offseason, particularly due to the departure of Toronto legend Kyle Lowry. Uh, also leaving are a number of minute eaters on the wings, DeAndre Bembry, Stanley Johnson, Aaron Baines. Uh, he also left, among a, a few other less notable players. Coming in is just 35-year-old Goran Dragic. Uh, also, Precious Achua, which I thought was a pretty nice pickup for the Raptors. And then my guy, Sam Decker, pride of Wisconsin there. Uh, for OG, the first half of last season, he had just a 17% usage, so not very large at all. In those games, he averaged nearly 14 points, six rebounds, just under two assists, and also a steal and a half. Uh, the second half of the season, however, they really started unleashing him a little bit more with a usage percentage of 22.6% in the second half of the season. In those games, he averaged just over 18 points, five rebounds, and about three assists and a steal and a half uh, with pretty solid shooting splits all around. And then in his last six regular season games, when the Raptors really started to cut him loose, uh, he had a percent usage percentage of just about 25%, and, and many of the numbers stayed the same while he also averaged 22 and a half points per game. Uh, now with Kyle Lowry's usage and shots leaving town and, and really not much there to replace him, and additionally with Pascal Siakam set to miss the first month or so of the regular season with a shoulder injury, I do expect OG Ananobi to be one of the early surprises in the NBA regular season. Uh, so certainly a pretty good name to watch in my estimation. 
Uh, the Bulls were busy this offseason. Notables moving to the Windy City are Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan. Headed out of town is basically an entire roster. Thad Young, Tomas Sadoransky, Garrett Temple, Ryan Archijakino, Daniel Theis, uh, Al Farouk Aminu, Denzel Ballantine, and I assume Laurie Markinen, although we don't know what's going on with him yet. Also, Chris Felicio is another one of those guys leaving town. Uh, so very new-look Bulls team headed by Ball, Levine, DeRozan, Caruso, Patrick Williams, Nikola Vucevic, and Kobe White. Uh, just on the basis of that totally revamped roster, accompanied by renewed hopes in Chicago, Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball have to be considered big off-season winners. And there's been a lot of talk about the Bulls vaulting themselves into the top half of the Eastern Conference, which I think is probably a bit premature and perhaps even a, uh, you know, a bit you know, plain misguided. Uh, looking down last year's Eastern Conference standings, the 76ers will still be very good. Uh, the Nets are still the presumptive finals favorites. The Bucks are still very good. The Knicks got better. The Hawks got better. The Heat got better. And then we're at seventh. So seventh through tenth in the standings last year were the Celtics, who will probably be just a bit better than last year. Uh, the Wizards, who honestly I think are better, uh, and then, but maybe not probably as good as the Bulls. Uh, the Pacers, I don't really know what to make of them yet. The Bulls could probably leapfrog them. And then the Hornets, who also got better. So 11th place in the East last year was the Chicago Bulls. And while they obviously improved, I'm not sure how many of these teams they'll be able to leapfrog. 76ers, Nets, Bucks, no. Knicks, probably not. Hawks, definitely not. Heat, uh, likely not, in my opinion. The rest of the teams, there could be a case for the Bulls to surpass, but it's probably just as likely for the Celtics, Hornets, or Bulls to be contending for those seventh and eighth seeds. All those, you know, that's obviously all conjecture at this point. So I have Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine as offseason winners and, and players that I'd be interested in investing in in the short term. Usually I always think long term, uh, but here I'm thinking short term. You know, while the excitement is still high around them and you know, when they come out at the beginning of the season and look pretty fun in the early going, you know, that's that short term flip window that I'm looking at. I personally wouldn't be holding them too late into the year as I expect they'll eventually settle into that back half of the Eastern Conference race somewhere. And, and you know, some of that early season excitement would probably wear off, uh, but they should be fun offensively and likely also a disaster on the defensive end, which uh, does cap their ceiling significantly. I could be totally wrong about the team's ceiling. I don't think I am. Um, so good, but probably not great team. But right now they're being looked at as a potential great team. So as fans start jumping into the card market on these guys early in the season, I think now is a good time to buy and try to capitalize with some short-term flips. Not a whole ton of change for the Minnesota Timberwolves this offseason. Torian Prince in, Nathan Knight in, Ricky Rubio heading out, Ed Davis also heading out. And on the Timberwolves, I have second-year player Jaden McDaniels as an offseason winner. And that has less to do with what took place in free agency since basically nothing happened up there in Minnesota. More just what his role is likely to be this coming season. Uh, it was just a few days ago, actually, that Timberwolves coach Chris Finch referred to Jaden McDaniels as a core four player on the roster. The other three obviously being Carl Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. Uh, McDaniels was quietly pretty good last season after landing in Minnesota as the 27th pick in the draft. Nothing outstanding in box scores by any means, but uh, he's a gifted player on both sides of the ball. He's going to be turning 21 in September, so a ton of room left to grow. And he is slated to be starting at the four for the Wolves this season, which is what he was doing the second half of last season. Uh, reportedly, a lot of teams were placing calls to Garrison Rosas's office to try and pry McDaniels from their hands. And I think that just expresses the potential a lot of teams around the league see in this young big. 
He's not going to have a ton of offense going his way with the other three members of the core four and also Malik Beasley taking most of the possessions. But I like the way they've positioned the team to keep developing him. And I like him as a long-term hold. You know, so many of the young guys this offseason that could be losers is because uh, teams are hamstringing the, their, their growth by bringing in so many other guys. They didn't do that in Minnesota. That means Jaden McDaniels is going to be getting plenty of opportunities here in the early going. Next up is Spencer Dinwiddie, now with the Washington Wizards. I have him as another one of the winners of the offseason free agency period. I've already gone over the changes in Washington in the Rui Hachimura segment, so I don't want to belabor that point. Uh, but you have to like the position of Dinwiddie now as the lead point guard in Washington, You're running the backcourt together with Bradley Beal. Not totally sure what to make of the team overall, um, but it wouldn't be surprising if they were sneakily pretty good. You know, they're also well-armed with contracts to be able to match and make a trade for another big contract, which is kind of a crazy turn of events from, you know, what most people assume they'd be doing with, uh, you know, probably going to be shopping Bradley Beal soon. Uh, that maybe seems like an open question at this point. Uh, Dinwiddie has been a 20-point-per-game scorer in the past, but as a starter, he's never quite enjoyed the freedom that he should be having here in the nation's capital. So looking at the Wizards as a dark horse, exciting team in the East, I like Dinwiddie as one of the two players that figure to be leading that team. And then the last winners that I have for today are two Lakers. Uh, first is last offseason's card market darling, Kaitlin Horton Tucker. And then also a really excellent offseason pickup for the league minimum in Malik Monk. I did not like the Lakers offseason a whole ton. You know, trading for Russell Westbrook seemed pretty ill-advised, especially since they reportedly had a trade package lined up for Buddy Heald, and then they swerved at the last second to go to the Russell Westbrook Avenue, uh, probably with some LeBron James input. Uh, not that I think Heald is necessarily a better all-around player than Russell Westbrook is, but he does seem like a cleaner fit with LeBron and AD than Westbrook does. Although I'm, you know, I'm not betting against an experienced team like the Lakers. I, I believe they could probably just figure it out since they've all been around for so long. Uh, their offseason moves were as follows. Coming in was Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, and Wayne Ellington. A lot of very capable players there. Leaving town were Kyle Kuzma, Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Andre Drummond, KCP, Alex Caruso, Markeith Morris, Wes Matthews, Ben McLemore, Jared Dudley, and Alfonso McKinney. So pretty much an entire roster makeover out in L.A. Now, as one of the lone holdovers, Horton Tucker's Horton Tucker figures to be seeing an expanded role. And, and honestly, he's probably a better fit with the Lakers than Russell Westbrook is. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him running the point quite a bit, especially near the end of games. Uh, Malik Monk had a strong shooting season last year from deep, and the Lakers are going to be desperate for someone to be able to shoot in the backcourt with Westbrook manning things back there. So I'm expecting some heavy burn for Malik Monk as well. Uh, the Lakers being the Lakers, Los Angeles being Los Angeles, any sort of notable improved play should have pretty strong trickle-down effect to the card market. And I think these two players in particular will be some of the winners from that standpoint. So obviously, just a ton of change around the league. That's not an exhaustive list of all the losers and winners, but it does give you a pretty good picture of, of what I'm looking at, at least. I'm not you know, the, the foremost authority on these things, but I generally we're just looking at opportunity. Players who have the opportunity, the usage, the shots being taken away from them, I probably don't want to be buying them at this point. Players that have some more shots, more usage coming their way, more expanded roles and minutes coming their way, uh, they could be pretty good early season winners in the card market as well. So looking at those players or looking at other teams and trying to figure out which players might be seeing expanded roles, I think you should be able to target some, some guys that you might even be able to buy pretty cheap and then potentially flip here early on in the season for a nice profit. Uh, that's all I have for you today, though. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week.